This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. The wrong schedule, and I got to Dublin, and I ended up missing the flight that I was supposed to take. And uh, it was through uh, Pastor David's kindness that I made it home to my family. <laughs> But we got everything squared away and settled up. But, you know, uh, I just appreciate his heart and I appreciate uh, what your daughter's doing in the Philippines. Uh, our family has a long history of serving in the Philippines. We love the Philippines. I mean, obviously, my grandfather went to 119 different countries doing missions. Um, but specifically, God had moved in a special way in the Philippines back in the 1950s. And many there still acknowledge him as kind of the Pentecostal pioneer of the Philippines. And uh, that girl, Clarita Valenueva, got delivered from demonic power in 1953. And my grandfather was given a special permission by President Mag Sai Sai to have a uh, open air meeting in the Roxy's Park, which is kind of like the central park in New York, like just a huge open air park uh, by the ocean there. And there were so many people that got ministered to. There was literally hundreds of thousands who heard the gospel over a six week period. And so many people got healed by the power of God that they actually got sued by the medical doctors for practicing medicine without a license. And so, uh, you know, we just thank God for what God has done there in the Philippines. Let's just uh, pray before we open God's word today. Father, we just thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you so much for Moira Pentecostal Church. We thank you for the people here, Lord, that you care for the people here. We thank you, God, for an open heaven over this place. Lord, thank you that we can hear your voice today as you speak by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that there is no demonic force that can hinder what you're trying to do. Lord, anybody who's going through any kind of depression right now or discouragement, we just thank you for lifting the burden off of them today. And we just thank you for your anointing on your word, that as we speak your word today, Lord, that things happen in our lives. We just thank you that we'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start our journey. Uh, as I was been praying about what the Lord wanted me to share here, uh, I, I wanted to share about legacy. Everybody say legacy. Come on, let's say it like we mean it. Legacy. God, God wants you to know that your life is important to him that you are precious to him as an individual. I mean, he's a God of, of nations, but he's also a God of individuals. But he's a God of families. If you go back and look in the scriptures, the Bible talks about how Abraham was a friend of God, but it didn't end with Abraham. Many times God acknowledged that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a God of many generations. You know, we, we have uh, sin patterns that can emerge in families, you know, whether it's stealing or lying or alcoholism or violence or anger problems. But there's also not just generational curses. The Bible says those go on to three and four generations. But the Bible also said that the blessings of God go on to a thousand generations. Isn't that amazing? What a great thing that we could pass forward a godly heritage to our children. So not only does your life matter, but your family matters. I want you to say that with me today. Say, my family matters. Come on, let's say it again. My family matters. God cares about you, but God cares about your family because there's significance in your generations and what you're going to be passing forward to the next generation. Whether you realize it or not, you're going to leave a legacy. It may be good and it may be bad, but every single one of us, once we're gone, we're only here for a short period of time. What are we going to be known for? 
They're going to say, well, I remember grandpa. He was just a grouchy old man, you know? Are they going to say that? Or are they going to say, well, I remember my grandfather. He was a real generous man. Or I remember my dad. He always spoke so kindly to me. Or I remember Pastor Gowdy because he was so kind as to get me back to America. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? There's a legacy that we are going to leave, and we have to make decisions on our daily lives literally have, have to do with what kind of a, of a legacy we're going to leave. Look with me over to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. What time do you normally let out, Pastor? What time do you guys? Okay. All right. I definitely want to preach the, the, uh, the full gospel, but I'm not going to preach the everlasting gospel, if you know what I mean. We have some people in America that will go on for so many hours. We used to joke about them coming out of meetings with a beard, and you couldn't tell whether they shaved that day or whether they'd just been in a normal Hayes meeting, you know? Brother Norval, he just turned 90 years old. He's a precious friend of my grandfather's. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it talks about this, this commandment that God gives to the Jewish people. Now this commandment, start reading in verse 1. Now this commandment, this is the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. This is Moses speaking. That you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God. You see the generational connection there. See, God wants you not to just have an experience with him, but he wants it to be a, something that's a part of your whole family. I know sometimes we want to have our own personal quiet time with the Lord, and that's fine, but I, I really would encourage you to include your wife and children and your family in what God's doing in your house. Otherwise, you know, if it's not your children's experience, you know, they're going to grow up and it's not going to be connected to their life at all. And that's sad, but that's what happens in a lot of churches, happens to a lot of believers, is that their faith never is transferred on or passed on to their children, and then they just go on and do their own thing. And we're, Oh, pastor, would you please pray for my children? They don't want to serve God. Well, it has to do with what we do now that has to do with what's going to happen later. Now, what I've also seen and realized in churches is there are people, you know, who, who, who've given all they've got and they've sown that seed of God's word into their children, but then obviously we're free will agents, free will creatures, and nobody can make their children serve God. And the thing we can pray is, you know what? The Bible says that if you train up a child in the way they should go, that, that they will not depart from it. And we believe that all those who are your children, you've been praying for, that God's going to bring them back in because those good seeds have been planted in their hearts. Amen. And so if you go on reading here, he says that you might pass it to your son and your grandson, uh, that they might fear the Lord to keep his, all his statutes and commandments, which I command you this day, all the days of your life, that all your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you shall listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day, listen to this, shall be on your heart. And you, verse 7, circle that one especially. And you shall teach them diligently. Everybody say diligently. Diligently to your sons and your daughters 
and shall talk of them when you sit in the house. See, faith is not just a Sunday thing. God wants us to talk about our faith in our house. And then it says, and when you walk by the way. When you're out just doing life. See, God wants to not just be a connection that we have on Sundays. He wants us to be a part of our daily life. God wants to move in so many different ways, but sometimes we just don't let him into all the areas of our life, and we wonder, why doesn't God move in this area of our life? But have you, have you welcomed him into your finances? Have you welcomed him into your family life? Have you welcomed him into all these different aspects of your life? Because he'll, he'll surely make it better, I can guarantee you that. So it says to teach it to them, uh, to your children, when you, when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. That sounds like pretty much all the time, doesn't it? But see, God just wants it to be a part of our life. And then he, he talks about the blessings that are going to come. Look down to verse 10. And then it shall come to pass when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he has sworn to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, houses full of all these things which you did not fill, hewn cisterns or wells that you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, that basically you're going to eat and satisfy, but just watch yourself. I know a lot of times we want to watch other people. You know, in church life, I've been around it my whole life. You see people that are constantly whispering around. You know, one lady, she came and said, now, Brother Summerall, I know that Sister So-and-So, she's having an affair with this guy over here. And my grandfather said, well, really, were you there? You know, were you, were you in the room? Did you, do you know that person, you know, that person that actually happened, you know? Because there's a lot of gossip that happens around the church world because we judge others. But what does he say here? He says, watch yourself. You know, it's easy to, look, when we point the finger at someone else, there's actually three fingers pointing back at us. And see, God wants us, it's, it's funny because sometimes we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by, our, by their actions. And so we might have good intentions and do the wrong thing, and we don't judge ourselves, but we judge others because, well, they did the wrong thing. And so God is calling us to, to uh an exact, that's also an example that we leave for our children as far as how we judge. What does it say in Matthew 7? He says, how you judge, it'll be measured back to you in the same measure. So we don't want to be judgmental people. We want to be people that are filled with God's love. But we want to leave this generational blessing. Look over to Malachi. If you know where Malachi is, you know, we used to joke about him being the Italian prophet, Malachi, you know. But... Um, he says something so powerful here in the book of Malachi. And we're still talking about this concept of legacy, inheritance, what we're going to pass forward in our lives. And this is pretty serious stuff. I mean, God felt like it was so serious that he made sure it got in his word. If you look at Malachi chapter 4 and verse Five. It says, behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. So important for fathers to have relationships with their children. If, if, if children don't experience the love and the validation and the discipline and the correction 
they don't experience all those aspects of love, the, the, the enemy will come in with a spirit of rejection. And I believe from my study of scriptures and my 20 years of ministry in 40 countries of the world, that is where I believe the generational curse starts with a spirit of rejection. Because a lot of people, they, they don't feel loved. They don't feel accepted. They don't feel validated. I've seen people in their 60s who, who, who are still spinning their wheels and can't really figure out what to do with their life because they never felt like someone said, you can do it. Nobody believed in them. Nobody supported them. And in increasing numbers, we're in a generation now that don't have fathers. I appreciate you having the father's heart, Pastor Gowdy, because there aren't that many in the world that have the father's heart. Even in the scriptures, Paul said it years ago. He said, he said, we don't have, we have some teachers, but we don't have many fathers. And so he says here, he says that God, by his spirit, by this prophetic spirit, the operating through uh, Elijah, which we know later was actually through John the Baptist. He says, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and then turn around and I will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. So you can have fathers that reach out to their children and their children just push it off. And you can have the other reverse. You can have children that reach out to their fathers, but there's got to be a connection between the generations. If there's going to be generational blessing, if there's going to be legacy. See, we can raise the dead and cast out demons, start huge corporations, do all this stuff, and that's all great. But if we don't pass it on to the next generation, we're going to die and it's going to go nowhere. It's not going to go forward to the next generation. What is going to be our legacy? What is going to be passed forward? And so the Lord says it happens through generational connection. But he puts it so clearly here that after this spirit of Elijah comes and brings the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, he says, so that I will not... I will, I will not come and smite the earth with a curse or smite the land with a curse. There, there cannot be a generational blessing unless there's a connection between the hearts of the fathers and the children and the children to the fathers. Even when you look at how in the genealogy of Jesus, this whole thing has to do with sonship. See, you, you need to know that you're not a Christian or a Protestant who's a part of the Christian religion. You need to know that you're a son and a daughter who's a part of the family of God. And they may, that may seem like a real mind bender for some people because you say, well, brother, I am a Christian. Well, of course you're a follower of Jesus. That's wonderful. And maybe you have beliefs that are connected to the Protestant history of the church. That's fine. But if you in your heart don't realize that you're a son and a daughter of God, you're always going to be looking for validation. You're always going to be looking for, for some kind of a blessing. And God's blessing is there that we're a part of his family. This whole thing is connected to sonship. So when you see, you see what Jesus laid out or what's, what's in the genealogy of Jesus there at the book, beginning of the book of Matthew, you can read it if you want to. Most people skip right over it. But right there at the beginning of Matthew 1, it's about so-and-so is the son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so. It goes all the way back and it says the son of Adam, the son of God. So from the very beginning, God intended for this to be about sonship. He intended it for, uh, to be about a family. And so God wants us to know that we've been brought into his family. And to me, that changes everything. Because if I'm just over here as a Christian, how do I perform to be a better Christian? Well, you need to do this, and you need to do that. And you need to make sure you do this thing. And if you don't do all those, then you don't feel the validation of the Lord. But you know what? When I woke up this morning, my name was Lester Sumrall. I just woke up one day, and they said, hi, you're Lester. That's who you are. 
because uh, I was born into the Sumrall family. I was given a name. We've been born again into the family of God and now been a part, made a part of his family. Isn't that good news? It's wonderful news. Look with me quickly over to 1 John. 1 John. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this. The King James would say, what manner of love has been bestowed upon us? This is the New American Standard. It says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God. And, as, and, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. If it didn't know Jesus, the firstborn son of God, how is it supposed to know the sons and daughters of God? Beloved, now we are the children of God. Not, not in heaven, not when we physically die. He says, now we are the children of God, right now. And he says, and it has, it has not appeared as yet what we will be, but we know that when he appears that we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. See, God wants us to be transformed into his image. Jesus wants us to be transformed into his image. We live in a world that has a lot of information. You know, the internet's called the information superhighway. We have more communication than we've ever had in, the, in world history. We've got things being translated into multiple languages. And it, it amazes me that my grandfather got on a ship and took 30 days to go across the ocean as a missionary. And when I'm on Facebook, I'm in real-time chat with a guy in Brazil and a person in Russia and a person in Australia at the same time. You know, it's amazing, the technology we have. But with all the information we have, the Bible says that there's people that are ever learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. God wants us not to just have information. He wants us to have revelation. Everybody say revelation. And then once we have revelation, I believe that it's through the divine revealed word of God as it's revealed in our hearts. We don't just have head knowledge, information. We start to see what God wants us to see. That's when we begin to be transformed into his image. Transformation happens in that way. Look with me over to the book of Romans. Romans. Romans chapter 8. God wants you to know that as a son and daughter of his, that, that he, has, he has unlimited blessing for you. I know the enemy tries to just always keep us down and tell us that we're, 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 we're not worthy of it or that we're not good enough. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus made you good enough. Jesus paid the price for you and for me. We sang about the cross today, didn't we? Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. I'll start reading of verse 31. What shall we say then of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who? Who's going to stop us from doing what God wants us to do? So many times in this world, it seems to me that people are afraid. They're afraid of failure. So they just don't even try. That's a real sad place to be. The enemy, he tries to get us, intimidate us not to do what God wants us to do based on the idea that we might fail. 
I'm saying, you know what? Do what God leads you to do. God will cause you to win. God will cause you to prevail. We got to be people of faith. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Does it say there that we need to beg and plead on our knees to earn them? No, that's a religious spirit. That would try to make us perform to receive the love of God. Unfortunately, even in some of the homes that we were raised in, now now if you're good, you're going to get this prize. If you'll do this, then I'll give you that. And because authority figures in our life had ha- have had that kind of uh, uh, pattern and system, then we think that's how God is. We get this image that God is, now, now, you know, if you'll do this and this and this, then I'll give you a blessing. But, but the thing is, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were doing your worst, Jesus said, I love you, and I'm coming after you with my furious love. What an amazing God. What an amazing love. But he says here that it's through him that he'll freely give us all things. And you wonder, God, what exactly do you have in mind here? You know, sometimes we just have limitations to say, well, uh, I'm just called to this city or this place or whatever. But look, let's look at Romans 4. Romans 4, because we're talking about legacy and inheritance. We're talking about the fact that we are sons of God, that God is freely giving us all things in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. It's been given to me. It's what, it's what he's doing. He's given it to us in Christ. It's not on our own. Remember what Jesus said? He said, without me, you can do nothing. That's right. In Romans chapter 4, he says this in verse 13. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants is that he would be the heir to the world, an heir to the whole world. God literally says it's a wide open place. What do you, what's your dream? What do you want to do? Well, I can't do that. Why can't you do that? Why can't you start a company? Why can't you touch the world? Why can't you do whatever the dream is that he's put in your heart? Why? He's saying that by faith, we've been made connected to the family. We've been connected to an inheritance. I've been going lately through, uh, you know, my mom passed away in 2010 and I had to go to probate court and open up an estate and go through all those legal proceedings. But it helps you to understand better the fact that we have a legal position in Christ to not only be sons and daughters, but if we're sons and daughters, guess what? We're heirs. What a great thing. We've been included in the inheritance in Christ. And I believe first and foremost, that's that we receive the Holy Spirit but that also whatever it is we need, God will make provision for us because he's a good, good father. He makes a way for us. He loves us. He's not mad at us. He's not pointing a finger of accusation at us. And he wants our lives to be transformed so that we can leave a legacy and an impact on this world. And I thank God for people like my grandfather because even on this trip, it's been very interesting. I came from from the lower part, the lower uh, two-thirds of the U.K., um, but it was there that, you know, maybe, maybe some of you have heard this stuff before or not. My grandfather traveled around the world on the verge of World War II 
1934 through 36, he went through China while Mao Zedong and Chiang Kai-shek were fighting for power. Then he went through Stalin's Russia on the Trans-Siberian Expressway. Then he went into Hitler's Germany in 1936 during the 36 Olympics. And then he came to Sweden and met with Pentecostal pioneers Livy Petrus and in Norway with T.B. Barrett, who had been touched with the Azusa Street Revival. Um, but then he specifically came back in, in Cardiff, Wales on June 2nd of 1936. He met a man named Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody here heard of Smith Wigglesworth? And so there they met and they, they began to have a relationship. And my, my grandfather got invited by Smith to come to his house in Bradford. And he would regularly come there and be a part of uh, having some Bible studies and prayer times. And then in 1939, you know, three years later, uh, because World War II was, was beginning to, you know, come on the scene that my grandfather had to leave the country because he wasn't, wasn't a Brit. And so because he had to leave, he went to brother Wigglesworth's house and he, he went there and when he got to his house, he, 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 he said, brother Wigglesworth, you know, I have to leave the country. This is the last time I'll see you. And I appreciate the times we've spent together and everything. And brother Wigglesworth said, can I bless you? And he brought him over and he was quite a tall man. And my grandfather was about five, seven, five, eight shorter guy. And, and so he began to embrace him and he said, Lord, let all the faith that's in my heart be in his heart. And he wept and cried and the tears flowed, flowed, flowed down his face and then came down my grandfather's face. And then he said, he had a vision of, he said, I see it. I see this end time revival where hospitals will be emptied out and that the gospel will go all over the world. And he said, I won't be able to see this revival. I've got to go on to my reward, but you will see this revival. You'll see the beginnings of it. And I believe that my grandfather did see the beginnings of that in China and in Africa and some of those places where we went. But it was so powerful to me that I had the privilege of meeting Smith Wigglesworth's great granddaughter, Lily DeFin, on this trip. And she's, she's based out of South Africa because the, the, the Salter family and, and other parts of the Smith Wigglesworth family were into missions in the Congo and in South Africa and different places. You know, he went all over the British Empire at that time. So... It just was, uh, you know, a very special time. But I believe that, that something significant happened here in your nation that God is getting ready to move in such a powerful way all over the world. But there's something that's going to come out of the UK, out of this region of the world that's literally going to touch the whole world. And, and I'm so excited even to be connected with you guys because of what your, your daughter's doing over there in the Philippines. And just, you know, I'm sure that helps you guys keep a, a local but also a global global perspective. You know, that's, what is it, 12 hours from here or even more probably. Yeah, so it's 12 hours from the States. That's probably, you know, full 24 hours almost. But um, God wants us to... to to love him and to honor him. But as we do that, to, to realize, wow, we have a legacy to leave. We can reach the nations. We can do the will of the Lord in the earth and we can be a part of something great. I want you to say that. Say, I can be a part of something great. Yeah. So, so whatever the dream is that God's put in your heart, I want you to know that, uh, that he loves you and that he has a, a special purpose for you. And, and you can leave a legacy. And so um, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and, and uh, I guess, have a prayer time for, for a moment. Just, you know. But tonight we're going to take more time to just kind of soak in, in, the, in the Holy Spirit and just have a ministry time. And I know uh, everybody, they want to they get to the Carvery or wherever they got to go, right? That's just part of Sunday morning things all over the world. So, uh, Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your word today. We thank you, God. Lord, that we are 
heirs. We're sons and daughters and heirs in your kingdom. So Lord, I just thank you so much for your people that are here today. I pray that you would encourage them. I thank you, Lord, to your blessing individuals. I thank you, Lord, you're blessing families. Lord, you're, you're helping us to have better marriages. You're helping us to have better relationships with our children. Lord, you're turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. We thank you, Lord, for that anointing over this house, a multi generational anointing, a multi-generational anointing from the very youngest to the very oldest, that your spirit would move in their lives and everyone would feel included in what you're doing here in this place. So we thank you, God, for that. And we continue to bless you. Thank you for what you're going to even do tonight. And we just say yes to what you want to do in this place. We just bless Northern Ireland. We thank you for your spirit moving in this land. We thank you. We bless those in, in, in the parliament. We bless those who are involved in, in, in the police force. We just thank you, Lord, for protection against any terrorist activity. We thank you, Lord, for just for all the school children, just for, we just plead the blood of Jesus over Northern Ireland. We just thank you, God, for your protection, your blessing here. And just thank you, Lord, for this place being a base to touch the nations. So Lord, we just thank you so much for all those who've lived a godly life in this region, that they would pass on a godly legacy as they go on to the reward. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.